Amen. Thanks, Sonia and Arnie. Um, Arnie mentioned Advent. Advent indeed starts today. And uh, next week, we're going to start a series called Between Two Advents. We're going to take three weeks, three Sundays leading up to Christmas, talking about what it means to live in the time between two Advents, two arrivals of Jesus, his first coming and his second coming. Advent means the arrival of. And so uh, we live in this time between Jesus' first coming and pouring out his spirit and us having access to his power, um, but also we still live in the world where the presence of, of sin and evil uh, are, are, are here and, and we have to deal with that. So it, there's this tension already but not yet aspect of the kingdom of God. So we're going to spend three weeks talking about that. But today we're finishing up our series, Parables of the Kingdom. Parables of the Kingdom, this is part eight. This is the finale. We're going to be ending today by receiving communion together, little individual elements. If you didn't get one, the ushers will make sure you get one by that point. Um, but today is the finale and we want to receive communion together both here and also those of you watching online. Get those elements ready, get the cracker, get the juice and be prepared to join to join with us as one church. Um, the, the title of today is called, just pretty simple, simple way to end the series, is The Unstoppable Kingdom. We've been talking about parables of the kingdom, stories that Jesus told to illustrate how his kingdom works. And today we're talking about how his kingdom is indeed unstoppable. We're focusing on the passage that Sonia just read from. It's in Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. If you have your Bibles, pull them out, pull up the app, get ready to follow along because we're going to be jumping around. We're going to be looking at the context a little bit. We're going to be talking about how his kingdom is indeed unstoppable. You know, I remember soon after COVID started, do you remember this season of rain? It just like rained every day. Like not only were we in lockdown and couldn't do anything, but it was raining. Do you remember that? Some of you do? Can't remember that far back? The rest of you? It was like, like March 1st through Memorial Day, it like rained 99% of the time. There was like two days where it didn't rain. And I remember looking, at least it felt like that. I remember looking outside the window, outside the door, and watching the rain come down. And I remember it was, it was as if God was saying to me, because I was, I was frustrated. I couldn't, I couldn't connect with you guys. And as a pastor, like, like, uh, like uh, preaching to a camera was like, I, I can't, I don't know how things are landing. I want, how are people doing? Trying to get a hold of people was difficult. And so um, it was, I was watching the rain come down and it was as if God was saying, just like I'm watering the seeds in the actual soil, I want you to trust that I'm watering the seeds that have been planted in the hearts of people in our church community and in their families. And just like you can't see what's going on underneath the soil right now, so it is you can't see what's going on in the soil of their hearts in this season because of lockdown, because of isolation, because of disconnectedness. But trust that I am indeed at work. I'm watering those seeds and those seeds will grow in some way. You can't control it. There's no formula to it, but you can trust that I will make those seeds grow. And so it is, broadly speaking, with the kingdom of God, as the seeds of the kingdom go out wide, we can expect God to do something with it. And also internally in our individual hearts, we can expect the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God refers to the reign and rule of God. We can expect it to grow and grow in our individual lives. That's what we're going to be talking about today. I've got two points to make. These points are meant to encourage us. 
Most of the previous weeks have been meant to challenge us and, and, and that we've, I've leaned on the side of challenging more so than encouraging. Today I'm trying to lean more on the side of encouraging than challenging, which doesn't come naturally for me. Number one, let's get right to it. Number one, the kingdom of God starts small but will inevitably grow despite outside opposition. It starts small but we can trust it to grow despite outside opposition, outside persecution, outside pressures that will come against it. That's the first thing I see in this passage. Let's look at this passage again. Matthew 13, verse 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it is grown, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. We'll pause there. So mustard seed is technically not the smallest of all kinds of seeds, but it is the smallest of seeds in the herb family, and it's tiny. And when Jesus' listeners, when his uh, original audience would hear him tell this parable, this would be very striking for him to be comparing it to a mustard seed. It would almost be like if you were telling a young child about the American military system, and you say, it's like this really tiny mustard seed. You'd be like, wait, no, it's not like that. It's this big industrial complex. It needs resources and capital and people. It's this huge thing, strong and mighty, right? And that's what Jesus' original listeners expected and wanted the kingdom of God to be. It was going to come over in this huge force and take, take over the Romans and kick them out. And it would restore them to the time of David, this, this government of peace and righteousness. That's what they expected, this sweeping army kind of power. But Jesus knows, no, it's like this teeny, 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 weeny mustard seed that goes into the ground. And though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants. Now, it's important to note, I learned this this week, mustard plants in Israel grow bigger than mustard plants in America. Different, different plant, different, 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 different kinds of plants. I'm not a gardener, but different. Here's a photo of a kind of mustard plant in the Middle East. Grows big, big, expands, right? So it starts off tiny little seed, goes in the ground. Jesus is like, it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing, expanding and expanding and expanding and expanding. So Jesus is saying, that's what the kingdom of God is like. It starts off small. But when it's put in the ground, you can expect it to keep growing, inevitably. Its effects are going to be disproportionate to the seed. That's how God's kingdom is. It's unstoppable. It will grow. It will grow slowly. It will grow gradually. It cannot be controlled. There's no formula to do. You can't make it grow by force. You can't do this really wise, smart, uh, polished marketing campaign and expect it to have this big revival. Uh, But you can expect it to grow in an unstoppable way. Uh, Arnie, again, mentioned the season of Advent. Consider the story of Advent. Consider the story that we are celebrating and remembering this season. The story of truly small beginnings. A big God who created the universe, and then what did he do? He got into a little womb of a teenage girl from a know-nothing town, in a no- from a know-nothing family. A girl who's accused of adultery and has a stigma over her. The scandal. Talked about, whispered about. 
from townsfolks, marries a man from a know-nothing town. A baby born not to applause and parades, but into an animal's feeding trough. The news of which was not heralded by the elite, by kings and ambassadors, but rather by shepherds, a group among the lowest on the social status ladder. It's the story of uh, this Messiah, this Savior who uh, had no place to lay his head, walked around with this ragtag group of followers who argued with each other often, never really understood what the heck he was talking about, and ultimately abandoned him in his greatest hour of need when he was arrested. He was falsely accused. He was handed over to the Romans. He was sentenced to death as an enemy of the state. He was tortured. He was scourged. He was stripped naked, mocked, beaten, and finally executed. And then his body was put into a tomb, put into the ground like a seed. And then nothing. It's over. That movement, over. And then three days later, that seed bursts forth with new life, resurrection life, out of the grave, the only kind of life that death cannot touch, that death will never touch. And then that resurrection life multiplies. It's poured out into his followers through his spirit. And then he sends them off. Go, claim this good news of the kingdom. Demonstrate this love of the kingdom. And they go off, sacrificing and serving and proclaiming, often at the cost of their lives, their own bodies being put into the the ground like seeds. And then it multiplies. The kingdom is expanding like a mustard plant. It keeps growing. It is indeed unstoppable. It keeps going and going and going. Persecuted and chased out of town. This movement did not stop. No government was able to stomp it out. Martyred and executed. Fed to lions even. It could not be stopped. It spread throughout the Roman Empire. It spread into Asia Meyer. It spread throughout Europe. It got into the Americas. Here I am preaching in 2020 at Bayhead Chapel in New Jersey to you guys because the kingdom of God is unstoppable. It kept going and going and going. Persecution couldn't stop it. Emperor Nero to communism to ISIS every time a Christian had been threatened or hurt or killed for the sake of their faith in Jesus, every time it looked like nothing was happening on the surface, like this thing had been stopped and extinguished and stomped out, God was still watering those seeds underneath the ground and new resurrection life was bursting forth. We saw it in communist China when they thought that they had put a stop. I actually was reading this past week. I didn't share this in the first service. I was reading this past week of a, of, a, of a child of missionary parents who spent their time in, in China. Uh, 
yeah, child of missionary parents who had spent their time in China, right? And then communist rule took over and it looked like the church had been stopped. He was visiting later on, but he hadn't seen what was going on. So he had visited later on and he, he wrote, all for nothing, a waste. My parents gave so much. But he didn't see what happened when the, when the, when the veil was lifted. And, 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 and we get to look back now and see, wow, the church just multiplied. The underground church just, mul- it exploded even. Underground, like seeds being watered. God's kingdom is indeed unstoppable. It has pierced the hardest of hearts from murderers to terrorists to atheists even to kids who have grown up in church hearing preachers like me and got to college and said, I'm done with that stuff. I want nothing to do with it anymore. Well, it has come back around and pierced their hearts for real. Amen. Amen, Frank. Be encouraged by that, parents. Be encouraged by that. This tree, we're going to, at the end of service, I'll talk more about it. But this tree, um, these are names of family members. Some of these are names of family members who we're praying for, that the kingdom of God would pierce their hearts. Maybe family members who are dealing with addiction that we're praying for. We can come down and write on these pieces of paper and stick it on this tree. And we're going to be praying for these, these names and the things represented on this tree for the, 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 the Advent season. Believing that God is watering. We might not be able to see what's going on underneath the surface, but God is watering. Be encouraged by that. There's a lot of talk right now about religious freedoms being threatened, and indeed, in some ways, they are, for sure. There's legitimacy to that. I read a court case this past week about a church that was sued by somebody over something silly, and they won. It was frustrated. I was angry. Ah. Christians can't even hold to certain views and get sued left and right. It's frustrating. Makes me angry. And, and so, yes, when people talk about religious freedoms being taken away, I understand what they mean. But in another sense, religious freedom cannot be taken away. Not true kingdom freedom. It cannot be taken away. It can't be threatened. Nobody can stop it. The Apostle Paul was put in prison left and right. He didn't have religious freedom in one sense, and yet what did he do? He spread that gospel far and wide because the kingdom of God couldn't be stopped. In the book of Philippians, he talked about how I'm in chains, and yet the gospel is advancing. The whole palace guard has heard the message of faith. They know I'm here because of, because of Christ, and the, the gospel is advancing. It can't be stopped. It can't be stopped. It can't be stopped. Nothing can take away our true kingdom freedom. Nothing can stop the plant from growing. We just have to remember, we can't make it grow with our own formulas. We can't make it grow with our traditions. Traditions might change. Things might change. How we gather might change. The church in China had to go underground. They had to change how they were gathering. We had to change how we were gathering because of COVID. But that doesn't mean the kingdom has been stopped. I don't see what's going on in your heart through face masks, but I can trust something's going on, right? No external force can stop it. 
Our job is to be faithful, to scatter the seed, and then we watch like we were watching that rain come down last spring. Okay, God, you do something. We pray, we trust, but we trust expectantly that he will do something with those seeds. We offer our measly fishes and loaves. We say, God, this is all I got. I don't have all the answers to every question somebody might ask, but here's what I got. Here's what I can share. Here's how I can serve. Here's how I can give my life away. I can't give that much to that Great Commission Fund, but here's what I can give. I cannot buy that thing I was going to buy myself for Christmas, and I'll give that to this. I can do that. And God multiplies our fishes and loaves. He chooses the weak to show off his strength. He chooses the foolish things to shame those who believe that they're wise in the world. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. No external force can stop it, and neither can anything on the inside stop it. And that brings us to our second point from this parable. There will be hypocrisy and phoniness from within God's kingdom, but that won't stop it either. There will be hypocrisy. Did you know that? There'll be hypocrisy in True Life Church. Anybody see it yet? Lori raises her hand. Lori, who'd you see it in? Yell yell their name. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Imagine. Imagine you all yell out the same name. That'd be be funny. All right. Um, Let me show you where I get this from. Uh, Um... Let's look at the parable again. Verse 31 and 32. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. Look at this last phrase. So that the birds come and perch in its branches. What the heck did birds have to do with anything? What are birds? What are the birds about? Generally speaking, when birds are talked about in Scripture, birds represent something negative. They represent something evil, something dark. One example is a parable that Jesus told that we covered in this series. It was the first parable in this chapter, Matthew 13. It's the parable of the four soils. If you were with us during this series, you remember, some soil or some seed fell on the path. Remember that? And what came and took it? Birds. And Jesus said later, the birds represent the evil one who come and snatch away what was sown. So birds represent something dark, something evil. And I believe uh, that's one reason why I believe that birds here represent the evil one. Something dark, hypocrisy growing within God's kingdom. God's kingdom grows and birds, evil, hypocrisy, phoniness, insincerity will come and nest in its branches. It won't be completely pure right now. There'll be evil and there'll be darkness that rests in its branches while the kingdom of God is spreading. There will be hypocrisy. There'll be false versions of Christianity that will get mixed in. There'll be distortions. There'll be insincere people. And that is to be expected, and that should not discourage us. Another reason I believe birds represent that um, is because of the theme of this chapter, or at least the immediate context of this parable. If you have your Bibles, I want to show you something. The the parable right before this one is the parable of wheat and uh, tares, uh, your Bibles might say, or wheat and weeds. Um, I want to show it to you. Let's go up to verse 24. This is the parable right before the mustard seed one. 
So I'm just going to read this one through. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So that's the parable. Wheat and weeds grown together, intertwined. Don't try to separate it now. Don't try to pull the weeds out now. Let them grow together. But there's coming a point where they will be separated and the weeds will be tossed out. Now, the disciples later come to Jesus and they're like, can you explain that one to us? It wasn't completely clear. So after the parable of the mustard seed in your Bibles is the explanation of this one. In other words, the mustard seed is sandwiched between this parable and the explanation of this parable. I'll show it to you. Let's go to verse 37, if you're following along. So Jesus answered his disciples, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. That's himself. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So, Jesus is making it crystal clear. Yeah, there's going to be weeds growing with the wheat. Let it grow. Don't try to separate it now. But there's coming a day when I'm going to send my angels and they will be separated. So that's the second reason why I believe the birds represent hypocrisy, phoniness, insincerity, weeds, and tares within the kingdom of God. There will be weeds in the midst of the, of the wheat. This is one reason why I want to be slow to try to point out. People have asked me to kind of like mention and point out people who, 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 who they feel like are false teachers or preachers, books that people read in our church, uh, sermons that they listen to. And I, sometimes I'm, I, I, I kind of wince. I'm like, I kind of wish you weren't reading that. And, and I'm slow to point out and say like, that's because you know what? Let the weeds and the wheat grow together, Jesus said. Um, doesn't mean that we don't call them out sometimes. There's... The Bible's clear that sometimes you do. However, I, I do think that uh, we need to be slow to uh, judge each other's hearts, hmm? right? Uh, slow to analyze and be hypervigilant about who's a sincere follower of Jesus and who's not. Uh, that's, 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 that's not our primary job. Uh, and I we think we need to be really slow to do that. Yes, there's some, listen, there's some times that people, you ever see like a politician or somebody in the news who claims to be a Christian, and you're like, oh, dear Lord, just, just shut your mouth, and please don't say anything more about Christianity. You are not representing Christianity. You ever, you ever have that moment? Yeah, yeah, maybe a friend, maybe a family member, 
Like you, you invite your friends over for, and somebody, a, a so-called Christian says something so like, you're just like, oh, please, dear Lord, I hope my friend didn't hear that, right? You ever have those moments? Um, yeah, we, we have those moments, and it doesn't mean that there's not times when we say, like, we don't call each other out, but, 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 but by and large, what I'm getting from this is that weeds are gonna grow with the wheat, and it's not our place to try to separate it out. There's gonna be insincerity. There's gonna be hypocrisy. There's gonna be people in the news who claim to be Christians who are not, who make Christianity look bad. There's gonna be preachers who, who, who do false distortions of, of the gospel. And, and, and sometimes we can put our finger on what's going on and sometimes we can't. Sometimes we just gotta wait and let Jesus sort it out at the end. We've had people get baptized in our church who just were so excited about what God was doing, who Jesus is, it seemed, and then, and then they walk away from it, saying, oh, I, don't, I gave up on Christianity. It's too hard. I don't, I'm done with that. I tried it. It's like, oh, it's heartbreaking. But I feel like Jesus is saying, don't be discouraged. The kingdom of God is unstoppable. It will keep expanding. But yeah, there'll be moments where you are disappointed. You are, there will be moments when you see hypocrisy. There will be moments when somebody who claims to be a follower of Jesus hurts you. And will you will hurt them. Because there's hypocrisy in all of us and such is the kingdom of God until the end of the age when he sorts things out. That's what I believe the birds represent in verse 32 here. Look at that parable again of the mustard seed. It's the largest of garden plants. It grows and grows and grows, and the birds come and perch in its branches. We saw birds from the beginning of the church. We, 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 even before that, even, even when Jesus arrives on the scene, we, we, there was religious leaders claiming to represent the kingdom of God, claiming to know the will of God, claiming to have the heart of God, who were birds, who Jesus challenged constantly, self-righteous birds, right? Pharisees who ended up rejecting him, who looked like from the outside, oh, they're, they're really holy following the law of Moses, know the Torah inside and out, but ultimately they didn't have God's heart. They were birds. Jesus had 12 closest disciples. One of them, we found out, was a bird. Judas betrayed him, was not sincere, was phony. There were false teachers infiltrating the churches that Paul had planted and it broke his heart. He was grieved over it. There were people who accused Paul of being a false apostle. He had to defend himself to them. It's going to be messy. There's going to be birds nesting in its branches. Don't be discouraged. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it'll continue to be until Jesus returns and the, at the end of the age. We saw this with the Roman Empire. There was persecution, persecution, persecution. And then Constantine took over and Christianity was sort of like legislated and it became Christianized, the Roman Empire. And the persecute, there was a reprieve from the persecution, which was good, but the, there was a whole nother kind of distortion that sprang up. A whole nother kind of ill that sprang up when you try to legislate Christianity throughout the empire. Right? We had branches of Christianity spring up that were just like 
all kinds of nonsense that were intertwined in their teaching. This has happened throughout history. We had the Crusades. There were witch hunts that are black marks on the history of Christianity. Jesus said this would be the case. There will be birds nesting in its branches. Don't be discouraged. The kingdom is unstoppable. There will be oppression and persecution from without, and there will be phoniness from within, but the kingdom cannot be stopped by either one. I'll say that again. There will be oppression and persecution from without and hypocrisy from within, but the kingdom cannot be stopped by either one. Be encouraged. Sow those seeds, pray, watch God send the rain, and wait expectantly. The spread of God's kingdom, his reign and rule will go on throughout the world. His gospel will be preached to the whole world, Jesus said, and then the end will come. Every nation, tribe, and tongue will have a chance to hear, will have a chance to willingly submit to his reign and rule. It'll go wide, but it'll also go deep into us as individuals. He doesn't just want to take over one area of your life, you know. He wants every area. Every area. When I gave my life to him at 19 and I said, Lord, you take over. You're in charge. I had in mind like my big picture direction of my life. I was pursuing filmmaking. I was like, Lord, I, I don't care. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. That's what I was consciously surrendering. There were other areas of my life that I was kind of holding on to like in the back. I didn't realize it, but like my sex life, party life, finance. I was like, oh, don't touch those just yet. I'll handle those. You handle this part, I'll handle these. Partnership, right? But you know what happened? The mustard seed kept growing. And that plant that started off small in my life started to invade other compartments, if you will. First it got into my sex life and I was like, no, get out of here. Get out of here, plant. But it kept growing and expanding. And finally, I was like, all right, Lord, that, that area is yours. What do you want me to do with it? And I had a great peace about that. Then it started to expand into my part. I, I like to get drunk and, and stoned. And, and, and I was like, no, I need that. I would go to church parties and then sneak off with other people to do shots and, and, and smoke. And then I'd go back to the church parties. Like, hey, everybody, Jesus. But the mustard seed kept plant growing, and it got into that area. And finally, I was like, all right, Lord, no more of this either. And then there were my finances. When I was 20, 21, I was broke. I had no money, so you know what I felt like I had to do? I had to cling to it. People in church would talk about being generous and giving to their church. I, I'll give a few pennies. But man, I, gotta, I couldn't trust God to reign and rule over my finances. But that mustard plant, you know what it did? It kept growing. It got into my finance compartment. And it started to mess with that. And finally, I was like, all right, Lord, I get it. I'll give to, I started tithing to my church. I was like, I'll let go. This is yours. It's your money. Every single penny is yours. How do you want me to deal with my money? And I had a great peace over finances when I was 20, 21 years old. I said in the first service, I, 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 I don't think I've worried about money since then, 
Me and Jess have argued about what to do with our money since then. That's a different story. But worried about it like I did in those early years, being on my own as a young adult. Once I said, God, it's yours. Once I, once I succumbed to the mustard plant and its inevitable growth. And so now, as God points out different areas of my life, anger and anxiety and insecurities that have sprang up over the years, I know, man, it's just a matter of time before that mustard plant takes over. Lord, have your way. I'll submit now. Take it. Deal with it. Break me in this way. As we end, in fact, in addition to, we're going to have a closing song up here. Uh, and as we sing together, we're going to have um, a time when you can come down. You can not only write the name of a family member who you've planted seeds. You're, you're praying, God, water those seeds. Maybe they don't know Jesus. Maybe they walked away from Jesus. Maybe they're dealing with an addiction. Maybe there's just dysfunction. Write their name, put it on this tree. We're going to be praying for them over the course of Advent. But you know what you can also write down on one of these pieces of paper? You can write down an area of your life that you know God wants you to surrender to him. And you've been holding on to it. It's in your back pocket. You've been saying, no, God, in every other area you can be in charge of, but not this one. I ain't forgiven that person. I ain't handed over money. I ain't handing over my sex life. I know I got that anger problem, but I ain't going to counseling. That's too embarrassing. My family doesn't do that kind of therapeutic stuff. <laughs> Write it down and stick it on the tree, and let's be praying that the kingdom of God, that mustard plant, takes over. In the first service, Matthew Reconda prayed, or I shouldn't say, he, he read Psalm 20. He recited, he didn't even read it. He recited Psalm 23 over our kids. How old is Matthew? Is Nicole still here? Six. He's six. A mustard plant, little seed took hold of his heart. It's been growing. He's in our kids' life group. I want to show you some photos from our kids' life group. Here's some kids where mustard, the mustard seed is, is in there. We don't know what God's doing. There's Ben and Danny Dornacker. There's some other kids learning a lesson. They're all together in the backyard. The seeds are being planted. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't control it. Frank, right, you can't control what goes on in your kids' hearts. But we just plant the seeds and we say, God, do something with this. Water it. Do something. This past week, we had four kids raise their hand and say they wanted to trust in Jesus for the first time at this kids' life group. We talked to them afterwards. It sounded like three of them understood what they were doing. The other one was just kind of tag along. It was my youngest. It was like, all right, you go and play in the basement. <laughs> we talked to the other three, and then we sent them home with their parents to have further discussions and follow-up. We want to make sure things are, you know, real. But we believe that God is doing something. We can't control it, but we sow the seeds and we pray. We pray expectantly. And finally, I want to just remind you about our Great Commission offering. Leading up to next week, we're hoping for 30000 to come in by next week. 30000 is a lot for our church. It's a lot for our church community, especially during this year. 
But in the grand scheme of things, when 1.8 billion people have no access to the good news of Jesus, like literally will not hear about Jesus unless somebody from the outside goes in, 1.8 billion people, that's a, that's a big need. And our 30 grand, if we can do it, it's, it's tiny, it's small. It's just a mustard seed, just a drop. But again, God loves to use our fishes and loaves. He loves to multiply them. I believe that whatever we can give sacrificially, generously, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, we're going to see stories in eternity in God's kingdom of how he used those seeds to bless people that we're not going to meet in this lifetime in places that we're not going to go to in this lifetime. But we're going to hear stories of how God used it. And may we want to live in light of his unstoppable kingdom. May we want our lives to be poured out May we want to serve and pray and give in light of the stories that will be told for thousands and thousands and thousands of years rather than living for stories that will be told for maybe a few decades. Van, why don't you come on up here? We're going to sing. You guys can stand. We're going to sing a song called All of Jesus for All the World. As we sing, um, again, before we receive communion together at the end of the song, as we sing, I want to encourage you to come down. There's a marker. There's multiple markers, pieces of paper, and there's these little hooks. You just attach to the paper and stick it on the tree. A family member, a friend, a loved one an area of your life that you know you need to surrender. Stick it on that tree and we're going to be praying over the course of December. There's hand sanitizer that you can use before you use the markers. Uh, maybe two, two at a time kind of can come. It worked out well for the first service. You can see how many people did at the first service. These are needs where we're asking God Keep that plant growing. Touch my grandkids, my brothers. I won't read individual names that are here. My dad, areas of our lives, marriage. Jesus. May the mustard plant that is your kingdom take over. May it keep growing and growing and growing. May you use our, our measly fishes and loaves. And may we wait expectantly with encouraged hearts, not discouraged hearts. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the king, that you reign Amen. All right, you guys, feel free to come on down here at the end of the song when we're done decorating the tree. Pastor Rigo will lead us in receiving communion and then we'll dismiss.